Today we begin our Advent sermon series. It's a series that we've entitled Share the Story. Our passage today is from the uh, book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. We'll be looking at chapter 11 verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it and to read along. Hear the word of God from Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain." For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters are over the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and may God bless our time together as well. I'm interested. How do you feel about Christmas? What are the things that you tend to like? What brings you cheer? Is it simply just that feeling that's in the air? Is it a connection to a set of traditions that you've always enjoyed, that uh, trimming the Christmas tree or hanging up decorations outside? Maybe it's the making of cookies and, um, or buying gifts for the people you love, putting the thought into it and then watching them open them. You know, there's something about traditions that uh, can tend to make us feel warm. We feel a, a sense of security when we fall into those traditions. Maybe it's not just the traditions. Maybe it's the gatherings. And I know that we're in a pandemic year, and so gatherings look differently this year than they usually do. But there's something about gathering during this time of year, whether it's shopping with strangers or gathering with uh, friends and family uh, for a worship service or around a table. When we gather, we feel connected Maybe we feel loved. Maybe those are the things that go into that special feeling we get around Christmas time. Of course, not everybody is a fan of Christmas. There are some people who tend to loathe these days. Maybe it's because they see uh, in our approach to Christmas uh, a shallowness, that, that there's this awareness of who Jesus was or what Christmas was intended to be in the beginning, and now they just see hypocrisy. It could also be because of uh, unaddressed dysfunctions. You know, this is such a family time for so many people, and, and yet families carry with them these disconnects, 
many of them going unaddressed. And so when family gathers, there can be all kinds of hardship, hard conversations. Maybe it's just that look or that tone of voice that just cuts to the heart. Some people dread these days because of tragedy, because of loss. In fact, maybe this is a year in which someone lost someone that they loved, and now they find themselves in a time and a season that they had shared with that person, and and now they simply feel alone, isolated. You know, whether we happen to be one who feels cheered during this time or one who doesn't, there is something for us. There is the story. It's not a fictional story. It's nonfiction. It's rooted in history. It's the story. It's a story that is full of hope and faith and peace and joy. It's a story of Christ. And when we share the story, we share hope. When we share the story, we, we share faith and we share peace and we share joy. We share Christ. Today, we're going to take a look at what it is to share the story and to share hope. To share hope. So, as we go into our time and we explore this idea of hope, um, I was doing some work to prepare for today, and uh, there's this American theologian by the name of E.F. Harrison. He was actually one of the founding faculty members of Fuller, uh, where I had the opportunity to go to school. And he was describing hope. He said these two things that really provide quite a contrast uh, within the idea of hope. At one point he said, hope is one of the finest responses of which the human spirit is capable. One of the finest responses of which the human spirit is capable. Humans can find themselves in the worst of conditions, and yet they have this ability to rise above it, to see beyond it, to have hope, and let that hope then be a fuel for them in the midst of whatever the challenge might be. So one of the finest responses And yet he also would go on to say that hope is a mark of human limitation. If we weren't limited, if we had the ability to actually achieve that which we hope for, we wouldn't have to hope. It would just be done. So as we see in hope just an incredible gift, it also underscores how limited we are. But where do we begin telling the story then? A good place to begin is in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Of course, to claim Genesis 1.1, we would be wise when we share the story of Jesus that we would also then go to John's gospel in the first chapter there, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word that would become flesh. The Word that would become the person of Jesus in this world. The second person of the Trinity was in the beginning. And all things that were created were created through him. The story begins in the beginning. 
then we go forward in time, and, and we don't know how much time entirely, but we know that in the storyline of the Bible, there becomes this important juncture. About 2,000 years before the time of Christ, God came to a person and gave a promise. God came to the person of Abraham and gave him a promise. He says in Genesis 12, he, he says, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a great nation. This was at a time when Abraham was old and he had no children, but God made the promise. You're going to be a great nation. In fact, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. The God who created in time came to a person and gave a promise. Let's go forward in time even more. This is about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. And God comes to King David. And he says to King David, he says, I'm going to make it so that a descendant of yours will always reign. That your throne will endure forever. God came to a person and gave a promise. He gave a promise. On your throne, one of your descendants will always reign. So now we come to the 8th century BC. This is the time of the prophet Isaiah. It was also the time where King Ahaz was reigning. By this time, the people of God had divided into two nations. They had split. There was a northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. And Ahaz was up against a problem. He um, had the northern nation of Israel joining forces with Syria, which was just to the north of Israel. And they were ta attacking Jerusalem. And so God, through Isaiah, gave Ahaz a choice. Gave him an option. He, would, he was telling them things that God was going to be about and how God would provide. And, and so Ahaz had that, trope, that choice. In whom would he put his trust? Well, Ahaz couldn't see far beyond his conflict. He looked much closer to home for his hope, for his solution. He looked to Assyria. Assyria was to the north of Syria and a little bit to the east. They were a growing power, and so Ahaz was going to go in that direction. You know, when it comes to hope, others have talked about it before, that there, um, uh, there's real hope, Hope that's justified. Hope that's grounded. There's false hope. That's when we choose to put hope in something that cannot provide. There's lost hope. When we realize the thing that we had hoped for isn't going to happen. And then there's no hope. When we just run out of it. When we become hopeless. You know, there's a tendency in humans... Uh, whatever the century happens to be, to um, go all in on false hope. You would think that we would learn and we would realize that, that misplacing our hope does, does us no good. The classic ones are that we put our hope in wealth. People give their days and nights, their worries, their thoughts, their energy to trying to get more wealth. Thinking that in wealth, that'll solve the problems. And yet, we read the stories, we look at history, we know of people that had all kinds of wealth. 
and it didn't provide the way that they had hoped for. Another classic one is institutions. We, we turn to institutions, and, and we know that it's going on in the news. People are putting their hope in the Supreme Court, or they put their hope in the presidency, or they put their hope in a hospital. And yet those things have shown in the past to not always be trustworthy. The thing about institutions is that they tend to be run by people. And over time, even the best of nations, even the best of corporations can run into hard times, can make poor choices, can come to an end. And even the best of hospitals can't put off death forever. There's a choice to be made. You know, there's an interesting thing about hope in our world today. Um, maybe because, because of the, uh, um, the field of psychology and we become more interested in just how the human mind works. And uh, we have actually come to a point where we hope in hope itself. We don't even choose to hope in anything else. Maybe we've just lost hope in institutions. We've lost hope in wealth or whatever it be. So we're finding that generations are, are now choosing simply to have hope in hope. We've come to realize it's kind of a power. And, and so why don't we hope in our hope and just see what works out? But the story that began in the beginning, the story that ran through Abraham and David, the story that came to Ahaz through Isaiah provides a hope that is fully dependable. A real hope. A real hope. And in this hope, we find a description God comes to a person, to Ahaz, and in some degree to all people through Isaiah, and he makes a promise. And his promise is about a person. And that's what we find in the description in Isaiah chapter 11. There's three things we learn about this promised person. The first is this, that he will be the fulfillment of, of God's past promises. That comes to us in the first two verses and then also in verse 10. We find that from the stump of Jesse, from, uh, and it's a great way to put it because Jesse was the father of David and King David and, well, to look at the family tree, it's been cut down. Uh, it's really come to ruin. But from that stump, God says, there will be a shoot a shoot that will bear fruit. This one who's coming is the answer that, that God had provided, the promise that God had provided to King David, that one from his throne would live and reign forever. And then we find out that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. It's the spirit of wisdom and understanding, which is a way to communicate that this promised person will govern perfectly that the spirit of counsel and might will be upon him, that this person will be appropriately wired for battle, for the right kinds of battle, and to battle them according to God's heart, God's plan, that the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord will be upon him. That's to say he'll be pure and holy, that his life will be devoted to worshiping God the Father. And then in verse 10, we find out that of him the nations will inquire. Here we find that the promise that God had given to the person Abraham was going to be fulfilled in and through this promised person. The one coming 
would be the fulfillment of God's promises. We also find out that this individual is the bringer of righteousness. In verses 3 through 5, we find that his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. His life will be a life of worship. He will judge not by human standards, not by what he sees or hears, not by the stories that are told him or the evidence that's put in front of him. He'll know even more. He'll know the complete picture. He will judge by God's righteousness. He will judge the poor. He will, he will look out for the meek. For those who get trampled on in this world, who are not seen or heard or pushed aside, the one whose promise will take up their cause. His words, the truth he speaks, will be his weapon, and they will be effective. And then there's that description of, of the belt, uh, uh, the belt that is righteousness and faithfulness. That, that would have been the foundation of the garments, the thing that hold the garments together. And, and here the foundation of this promised person would be the things that are filling God's heart, filling God's mind. God's righteousness, God's right ways would be his foundation. The fulfillment of God's promises, the bringer of righteousness. This promised person would also be the establisher of of a new order. That's what we get in that description of, of all those beasts lying down together. The, the, the ability for the most vulnerable to be alongside that which couldn't be trusted. And, and yet there would be no violence. It's the new order. The, the new heaven and the new earth would come in and through this promised person. In the beginning, all the way up through, and God says through Isaiah, here's where you can place your hope. So God to Ahaz, choose me. Choose real hope. You see, Isaiah was sharing the story of the coming of Christ 700 years before he actually arrived. It was the story of real hope. It was the story that began in the beginning. It was the story that was containing the promises to Abraham and David. It would be the story that would go through Bethlehem and Galilee. It was the story that would go through the cross and through the tomb. It's the story that ends up in Christ's return and his glory. A story that ends with the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. What do you like about Christmas? What if we were able to say, the best thing I like about Christmas is it gives me real hope. Real hope. Hope that could never be turned over. Hope that is full and guaranteed. A hope that, that matters in any moment of any given day a hope that defines our lives. It's more than a warm feeling. It's a confidence. Not in ourselves, a confidence in God. It's a direction. It comes with a direction that our life is, is more than just what we see here. It's not, not just about fulfilling whatever our personal little needs might be, but about something grander that we're, we're called into. It, it's a story that gives us strength. 
you know, to have this hope will require something of us. I believe it'll require three things of us. In fact, hope itself depends on these three things. Real hope requires patience. Patience to wait for something that's worth waiting for. Real hope requires trust in something, someone who is trustworthy. Real hope requires desiring that which is worthy of being desired. You get those three things. Patience because there's something worth waiting for. Trust because there is one who is trustworthy. It would be foolish to have hope if that which we're trusting or we're wanting is not trustworthy and yet we place our hope in it. That would be a false hope with the risk of losing hope or having no hope. But in God we can have real hope. In fact, Christ is worth waiting for. So we will be actively patient. That's the difference between being passively patient where we just go, okay, fine, he'll take care of that. I'm just going to go and do what I want. To, to actively be patient is to, to know and to trust and to be confident, to have that hope and then to be about the very call of God on our lives. Christ is worthy of our trust so we will put our confidence in him. In fact, Christ is worthy of all of our desires and so we will hold fast. There's this couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. I love the picture that the author provides there. He talks about the hope that we have in Jesus because Jesus goes into uh, the heavenly temple, and so he goes into the Holy of Holies, and he makes his, his sacrifice on the altar. He does all these, and it's a far superior sacrifice. He's the great high priest. But the piece I love about this uh, is the way it's described. The author describes that hope as the anchor of our soul. The hope we have in Christ becomes our anchor, the anchor of our souls that holds us fast, whether we're being attacked by Israel and Syria or whatever else might be going on in our life, that we have hope. This week, would, would you consider sharing this story with somebody that needs to hear it? You can begin in the beginning. You can tell of the story of Abraham and David, of the story of Isaiah coming to Ahaz and giving him the option, the, the choice, the, the promise of Jesus' arrival, Jesus' arrival in this world and his life and his ministry and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and, and his promised return. And his commitment to make all things new. You can tell the story. Is there someone in your life who needs to hear it? Maybe it's you. Maybe you simply need to tell yourself the story. To get out your Bible, to, to look up the passages, to, to remind yourself of the hope that is available in Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a, a, a grandchild that, that you could write a letter to or, or, or you could Zoom with them and have a conversation. Or, who do you know? Who needs to know? Let's share the story this week. Let's share hope. May God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this time together. Please know we continue to pray for our entire congregation. 
And so to Christ be the glory. Amen.